0: Today on episode number 153 of the Teaching in Higher Ed podcast, Brandy Dudas talks about pen casting and other ways we can incorporate videos into our classes. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Welcome to this episode of Teaching in Higher Ed. I'm Bonnie Hoviak, and this is the space where we explore the art and science of being more effective at facilitating learning. We also share ways to improve our personal productivity so we can have more peace in our lives and be even more present for our students. Brandi Dudas is a passionate educator who specializes in using technology to better reach her students. She believes that the role of the teacher is not limited to the classroom walls and universities must prepare their students to succeed in their chosen field. Brandy teaches accounting at Douglas College in British Columbia, Canada. She hosts a YouTube channel for accounting students and blogs about higher education trends and technology at makinguniversitysmarter.com. Brandy, welcome to Teaching in Higher Ed
1: Hi, Bonnie. Thanks for having me.
0: It's excited to be connected with you and get to hear your voice where it's a two-way voice, but I've actually heard a lot of your voice by going and looking at all of the videos that you have on your YouTube channel. Congratulations on what a great resource that is.
1: Well, thank you, Bonnie. Uh, hopefully you got to learn something or remember something you've learned previously.
0: Oh, I loved it. I love how concise they are and clear, and I can see that they're a great resource for your students. Before we dive into some of the more technical aspects of the way that you create your videos and specifically pencasts, I'd love if you would just share a little bit, how did you first get into teaching in the first place?
1: Well, when I started university, I started on day one looking at my college professors and thinking that they basically had the best job in the world. Um, At that point in time, I just knew that I would love to teach one day in a university setting, uh, teaching to adults. And so I geared my career towards that goal. So from there, I went into the topic that I had the best grades in, which was accounting at the time. And I did my bachelor's degree in accounting. I did my master's degree in accounting and I did my chartered accountants designation um, in order to be able to teach in accounting.
0: Now in your circles, is that something that was common to to know at such a young age or is are you a unique person in this in this way?
1: I think I'm definitely unique in this way. Um, most people go through thinking that an accounting degree, accounting job is a very stable career path and accountants tend to make money. It's a very good career path to go into. And then sometimes later after you've done your articling and everything, you'll decide, hey, I might want to try out this teaching thing and then go get your master's degree so you can do that. I think I'm kind of, I flipped the cycle somewhat.
0: (laughs) You sure did. I've never, I've met, I've met accounting students, you know, I teach in business. So I've met a lot of accounting students and many of them have a gift for teaching. But as you say, it tends to be something that they think about, gosh, you know, I would do this Public accounting gig for a while, you can, it's very lucrative. And as you said, it's a great way to get started in the business world. And then, you know, maybe at the end of my career, or, you know, maybe if some of them will talk about wanting to have kids someday and that that might be a good way to not have it be as crazy hours as sometimes the big firms are the public accounting firms are but but yeah it sounds very <laughs> like a very unique thing talk a little bit about some of the things that you learned early on when you first started teaching
1: the college that I teach at in the region that I teach in in Vancouver Canada we have a very high population of English as a second or third or fourth language so a lot of my students don't speak English as their first language they also don't keep traditional hours that we keep. Some of my students are working through the night and it's hard for them to come to class during the day because they are keeping online at night to speak to their friends and family uh, in Asia or in the Middle East or wherever they're from. And so we just have such a diverse background of students here that not all of them speak English and
0: not all of them keep the same
1: hours. So I learned to try and be as flexible as I could as an instructor for those students.
0: When did you decide to start putting videos online for your students?
1: My students actually asked me to start putting videos online, which is kind of funny, which is how I started doing this. My students were asking about resources that they could use outside of the classroom because sometimes when I get excited or if I've had too much coffee some days, I speak very, very quickly. And so they were asking for videos um, just to back up the knowledge that they were getting in the classroom. And so I started sending them videos from other instructors, and they were really good videos, Uh, but my students described to me that we want to hear your voice. We want it to be you. We trust you. We know you know what you're talking about. I don't know what it is, but they just wanted that connection to their instructor, so they wanted to hear my voice on the video explaining it to them.
0: That's such an interesting tension when there are just tremendous resources out on the web, And yet so many times when we create these videos, it just lets our students really get to know us a little bit. And I've talked about this before, just even something as simple as not trying to over edit yourself. I mentioned one time making a pen cast and sneezing in the middle of it and deciding to (laughs) leave it in. And, you know, candidly, when I left it in, it wasn't some calculated move. It was... I, was, I could call it laziness or I could call it efficiency. I don't know. <laughs> it just worked and the students totally loved it. So when I look at your videos, I don't say this disparagingly, but they very much look like authentic videos. Like we're just sitting down and you're just going to explain this to me over a pen and paper.
1: That's definitely exactly what they are. I try not to over edit them. I do edit them somewhat to make sure that, you know, I have a toddler. So if he's having a little temper tantrum in the background. Um, I edit that kind of stuff out. But um, I try to keep it kind of focused on the conversation that we would be having face to face.
0: How long have you been making these videos?
1: I think I started making them two, two and a half years ago um, for my students.
0: And then is it more recently than that you started to use YouTube as the place that you put them?
1: Yes. At first I was just using uh, an internal site that we have for our college or for BC that we have. And then I just started putting them on YouTube just so other faculty members could use the videos as well. And so that if my students, when they're in a later course in accounting, if they want to go back and refresh their memory on something, they would have public access to these videos.
0: And what was that decision like for you in deciding whether you wanted to make them public or not. And, and as a side note for people listening, this is a really important decision, but, and it has both philosophical implications, but also just technical implications. So let's talk about the three ways one could post a video on YouTube. I can post it publicly the way that at least the videos I see of yours are posted. <laughs> I can post it as a private video, but when it's a private video, it puts up some barriers to people being able to access it and the my favorite way of posting a video is to post it unlisted. Unlisted means you can't get to it unless you know what the link is to my video. So if you come to my channel, you don't see it. If you search on YouTube, you don't see it. If you su- search in general on Google, you can't find it. You would have to have the exact link to that video. And yes, there is the risk where Brandy takes my class and then sends it to, you know, her 500 friends <laughs> in her address <laughs> book. But I always feel like those risks are relatively small and I, I don't ever post anything online that I wouldn't want anyone to see anyway. So I mean it's it's the risk to it to me is not that big. But what were some of the decisions that you made about deciding to make it public? You already talked about one as far as wanting future students in stu- students as they're taking future classes to be able to access them, but what else came to mind?
1: I'm a really big believer in open educational resources. So when I was deciding whether to make this available publicly to students, I had to kind of weigh the my belief in open educational resources with me being scared of what the public was going to say about my videos. Essentially, that was the, the, uh, the weight that I had to make. And after a while, I just decided, hey, what's the worst that can happen the worst that could happen was that someone would bully me online. Um, So I decided to post them publicly.
0: And have you had any kinds of reactions from people that are not your current or past students? This is the really amazing part. As soon as I posted
1: these online and when I first made my videos public online, it did not have my name on it. It said I'm your instructor Brandy, but it didn't have my last name. It doesn't have that I'm actually an accountant. So people watching these videos would have had no idea that I was actually qualified to be giving them this information. But as soon as I posted them online, I was getting feedback from students all over the world. So I got emails from Pakistan. I got emails from Germany, from China, everywhere just asking questions about the concepts or saying, oh, I love these videos. You really helped me on a test today. And that was just really amazing. So you could see the joy and the ability of the internet to connect education with people all over the world.
0: Some of your videos, it looks like, have been watched as of this recording close to 4,000 times. That's on the high end. And then others, you know, just a couple, a couple dozen times or, or I guess 70 views or something like that, what would you attribute some of the highs to in terms of the ones that are the most popular? How would you, how would you explain that or do you even know what, what makes them the most popular?
1: Um, some of the concepts that have high views, I think one of them has 15,000 views on it. Oh my gosh, and where's that I one? <laughs> Honestly, I have no idea I missed why that it's one. So popular. It's the adjusted trial balance video, if anyone out there is curious. <laughs> I will but link to it. <laughs> oh my goodness. It's I don't know how that one got so popular, but the ones that tend to be popular are subjects that tend to be a little bit more confusing for students. There's a concept in accounting where we have to calculate something, but for whatever reason, there are four different ways of doing a calculation, which is kind of ridiculous, but it's it's very confusing for students to go through four different methods of calculating something. Mm -hmm. So those ones tend to have higher views on them.
0: Yeah, I totally missed that one. But I just sorted your videos then to the most popular. And sure enough, there it is.
1: <laughs> <That's really laughs> and I have no idea how that happened, quite
0: honestly. Yeah. And then I also noticed, and especially now that I've sorted it this way, in terms of the the way that they appear, you, you have some that have a black background with colorful, highlighting, writing, and that would be similar to what the Khan Academy videos would look like. And then you have some with a white background and uh, actually some typed text, almost like a spreadsheet looking thing that you're writing on top of. Can you talk about which came first, which one is more reflective of your current practice and maybe some of the evolution there?
1: Sure. Um, so I started out doing my videos very similar to the Khan Academy style, just because I was pretty um, illiterate when it came to YouTube and pen casting in general. And so I was just trying to see a best practice and copy it. So what I was using is I was using a free resource. Um, It's called Sketchbook, which I used to make the black background and the colorful uh, pen. Um, And that is what I started out with. And the white background, I'm using another free program that comes with your Microsoft Office Suite. It's uh, Microsoft OneNote. And I use, I have a Microsoft tablet, my Surface, and I just write on a pen on OneNote to make those videos. The ones where I use my the type of spreadsheet kind of looking or something in the background, I usually just take a picture of something on my screen and pull it into OneNote and then write over top of it in OneNote.
0: So let's talk a little bit about this then. The Sketchbook, is that a application that runs on something or, or is that a web-based one? What where, What is Sketchbook?
1: Sketchbook is an application, yes. And they have two versions, like most programs. They have a free version where you get a few th- tools. And then they also have a pro version, which you can pay for, which you can get more pens that look like paintbrushes and things like that. My stuff is pretty low tech. So I just use the free version there.
0: And is this Autodesk? The Am I getting the right one? Because I don't know if there's yeah. lots of... Okay, Autodesk. Yeah,
1: that's correct. Autodesk Sketchbook
0: and that was on a tablet of some kind.
1: Yeah, I just use my again my Microsoft Surface tablet to write on with my stylus.
0: That's I we had I'm laughing cuz none of our emails back and forth did we ever talk about that detail and I love that you're using a Microsoft Surface cuz sometimes I get accused of of being too apple centric so this is very exciting so oh, you this can, is good. <laughs> this is really good. But there is sketchbook on both the Apple devices and also on non-Apple devices. So that's wonderful. So we've got Ske- Sketchbook going there, but you're finding now more success with the OneNote approach. Is that correct?
1: I am. And that's because um, because my Microsoft Surface tablet, the stylus that comes with it, it is they've set it up because it's a Microsoft product to work really well in OneNote. And so I find I get less, like let's say my hand is on the screen. I don't get any little weird marks for my hand being on the screen in OneNote, where in Sketchbook, I was getting a little bit of just lower quality um, writing in Sketchbook on my Surface tablet.
0: And anything in terms of the color of the background, or was that just more a matter of what was available to you on the various tools?
1: Yeah, that was what was available. It's kind of nice having a little bit in black and a little bit in white just so we can switch it up for students to make it a little bit more engaging, Um, but it there was no design on my part for that.
0: (laughs) One of the things that you talked about was this risk of putting your videos online that you might be harassed in some ways. And is that still a worry of yours? Have you had any issues with that? Or is it not not been an issue for you?
1: I haven't had any issues. It is in the back of my mind whenever I post something online, whether it this or if I'm blogging about something. It's always in the back of your mind when you're putting something in the public domain. But overall, I get the comments I get, the emails I get from my videos are all very positive from students. Um, They all find them very helpful. And if there's something they're confused about students don't mind emailing me and asking me questions which I love that's great or they'll comment on my video and say I don't understand this part of it which is also awesome because then if someone else is watching the video and they don't understand the same thing they can look in the comments and say hey this is how she answered it like this is what I didn't get and I can answer their questions in the comments online as well.
0: What are some other tools that you have been experimenting with in your teaching? And I know some of these are tied to the classes that you're taking on instruction.
1: The classes that I take are through Vancouver Community College, and they have a school of instructor education, which is geared towards people doing basically our jobs, teaching college or university, who want to be a little bit better at their jobs. And so the course I recently took was all about how using media in your classroom, whether it be online or actually in the classroom. So the videos that I've been doing recently, I've been experimenting with Powtoon, which is one of those ones you can make a cartoon. So it's a little bit more animated and a little bit more exciting for students. And I've also experimented with VideoScribe, which is a whiteboard looking app, and it shows a hand drawing pictures on a whiteboard. And so that, again, is a little bit more animated and a bit more exciting for students. And I think those ones are the video scribe one where it shows a hand writing and drawing pictures. The students always think that's my hand and that I'm drawing those pictures. And I always have to correct them because I'm an accountant and a terrible, terrible <laughs> artist. <laughs> so I always have to go back and say, this is not me drawing this. I'm not that good. <laughs> it's all computer done.
0: That's funny that you say that because I I did not, I'm not familiar with video scribe. And I also, this is a whole universe that is not Well, in marketing, they always talked about the evoked set. And those are the products that you can think of in your mind when someone says shampoos or deodorants or toothpaste, you know, so I don't (laughs) don't even have any evoked set for hand drawn videos, you know, that the the makers of those types of videos. right? Yep. But, but I do know that when I see them, it's not literally the person's hand. Who them. <laughs> so At least I have that part going for me. So tell me some of the things. Let's start with Powtoon. What are some of the things that you can do there that wouldn't be possible with some of the other tools you talked about, like Sketchbook or OneNote?
1: So Powtoon, you actually create a cartoon. And so you go through and how it's set up is you pick different scenes that these cartoon characters are in so for example you could have some a little cartoon character writing on a blackboard or a cartoon character jumping up and down because they're really happy about something or they could be setting money on fire because they're they made a bad decision and so it just makes (laughs) it a little bit more cartoony so you can make business videos but it's kind of in a fun kind of way
0: and then what would be the time that it would take to build something in PowToon versus the time it would take to sketch something out in OneNote?
1: The first time you do something in PowToon, it did take me a couple of days to go through and actually get comfortable with the settings and actually finish my complete video. Um, so it did take a little bit longer. The thing for PowToon is I would say go in and they tell you this in their tutorial, go in with kind of your picture in your mind of how you want this video to look so you have a little bit different scenes in your video and so you have to go into it knowing what you want your scenes to look like and that way it'll cut down on the time but it will take more time than just drawing something on one note
0: and then how about video scribe what can you do in video scribe that wouldn't have been possible in some of the other tools
1: Video Scribe just makes your whiteboard video looks a lot better than what you would draw yourself (laughs) or what I draw personally. It looks like a whiteboard video still. It's just much neater than what I personally write. (laughs) So it's uh, much more animated than what I do. Uh, A lot more pictures. So if you have visual learners in your class, um, that would be a lot more effective for them than just a pen casting tool.
0: And what's one of the videos that you made with, Video scribe that that I can link to that might be a good example of one. Sure, I did
1: one on connectivism on my I put it on my accounting YouTube channel just to to show the students some stuff I'm doing in my courses that I take. It's on connectivism.
0: Yeah, I That's see it. that. <laughs> yeah, I see that there. I will definitely link to that one in the show notes and then talk a little bit about the process that you went through to create it. What's the behind the scenes that it takes to produce this type of a a look of a video?
1: Sure. Um, So for the whiteboard videos, the program, it gives you a lot of different animations to choose from. So in that one, I have, I'm talking about connectivism and how it connects students around the world. So it would have an animation of the planet Earth. And so you can put your planet Earth there, and it'll show a hand drawing that planet Earth while you talk about over The animation where you talk about how connectivism connects students around the world.
0: I'm looking at the website for the video scribe, so I can link to it in the show notes, and I'm laughing because one of the advertisements that's right above it is, well, I won't even say the name of it, but but (laughs) real artists in New York City starting at thirty six hundred dollars. So we're (laughs) oh my
1: goodness, (laughs)
0: yeah. I'm I'm guessing probably that's not the realm you were talking about doing. It looks like the pricing for this is, um, do do you have, do they have a free version or do you have any sense of the pricing on this?
1: I'm just thinking there is an educator's license Mm -hmm. and it's, I don't remember how much it is, but it's, it is affordable. Mm -hmm. I'll say that. I think I did my videos under their free trial. So I think they give you a month free trial when you sign up. So I did my videos under that month free trial.
0: I'll do a little bit more exploration, see if we can't get that there, because it looks like what I'm looking at is more a model that would be pricing for all students in a given right. institution, so I'll I'll dig a little bit more and see if I can yeah, find. Yeah, I'll see if I have individual. it in my inbox
1: too, and if I do, I'll send it over to you.
0: Yeah, because this looks really cool. I really like. I want to experiment now. I'm having. It's so really much- <laughs>
1: cool. It's really you'll you'll get addicted once you do it. You'll be like, oh, this looks way better than the stuff that I produce.
0: <laughs> yeah, and and I do I do think that I mean this experimentation is so helpful and for all of us to be thinking about different ways we can get our ideas across, and then even getting our students to experiment a little bit. In doing that, as you were talking, I was thinking, oh gosh, I can use that for the class I'm doing in the fall. But I, I think it is a good caution, though, not to be aspiring to perfection. That sometimes it's the imperfections that make us more human and have those kinds of connections with our students. So I think I like that yours are mixed, and some of them have you know lower production value, and some of them have higher production value, and it seems like you're experimenting and trying different ways to get your ideas across and help your students learn.
1: Yeah, and that's great, too, because when we, it, when I teach my fourth-year students, we have a lot of group projects and uh, presentations that they do online. And so I always link them back to my YouTube channel and say, like, go look at my videos. They are not perfect. Some of them look nice. Some of them are in VideoScribe. Some of them are in PowToon. But most of them are just me, pen, and paper. And that kind of gives them the confidence to put their stuff online as well and to give them ideas for different products that they can use to create their videos.
0: Is there anything else you want to share about pen casting before we go on to the recommendation segment?
1: I just say that if you're interested in doing videos for your class, just give it a try. The first one takes a long time because you'll be so nervous to do it and have to stop yourself so many times when you make mistakes. But just give it a try and you'll be surprised at the positive feedback you'll get from your students as a result of it. Because I teach a lot of international students, my students really like having YouTube videos so that they can go back and rewatch the videos many, many times because English is not their first language. So that really helps them.
0: I was talking about this with someone the other day and didn't go look it up. Do you know if there's a way to slow down YouTube videos? I don't actually cool.
1: I know my students just go back and replay it and replay it and replay it <laughs> and that is why I always make my videos I try to stick to them under five minutes every single one
0: I noticed that they are nice and short I'm looking They're right here short. the student who I was talking to with about this was correct so if you go down on a U- any YouTube video to the same place where you would press play pause but the other side of the controls there's a little gear shift icon for settings and there is speed and you can slow it down oh, and, that's or you amazing. could speed it up. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, that's great. So that would be something that would help. That would be something that would be good probably for us to point out to our students because I do know videos and, and pencasts and all these things, they, they really do like that ability to replay, start, stop. And especially when we have English as a second language learners, that really is helpful
1: definitely and sometimes my students will actually bring out their phones or tablets in class when they can't remember something and start playing my videos and i just hate hearing my own voice coming out of their tablets in the class so i always ask them to put their headphones in if they're doing that cuz they want to remember a concept
0: yeah you're just giving them a lot more they're in the driver's seat and they can access the totally. resources when they need them that's that's a Sorry. good a good sign but then as you say it d- could be certainly distracting for some so. <laughs> Yeah, it's a good sign, and then you got to manage it when it happens, for sure. Yeah. Well, one of the things I wanted to recommend, and and we're going to go on to the recommendation segment now, is broadly speaking, for us to back away from the PowerPoint, (laughs) because what we've been talking about are making pencasts, and there's no PowerPoint involved in any of these things we've been talking about. And even when you do use a PowerPoint, I'm going to recommend checking out something called Slideuments, And it's a combination of slides and documents. And I'm not entirely sure who first coined that term, but where I was first introduced it to is through Nancy Duarte's work. And Nancy Duarte is a famous visual designer. She is famous for having designed Al Gore's slides in An Inconvenient Truth. And her work has just continued to go, you know, leaps and bounds even beyond that from, from back in the day. <laughs> and there was a recent video that I came across. I, I didn't get to attend this webcast, but I did get to watch the recording afterward called Beyond the Cluttered Slide. How Managers Can Remove Roadblocks to Visual Simplicity. And one of the things, uh, many great things that it introduces is this idea of if someone wants you to have a handout, don't just print out your PowerPoint slides. That's not really the way to go. But you can provide information to people who need to have that as reinforcement after the fact, but how to go go about designing that. And there's a lot of other great information in the video. I'd really suggest taking a look at Beyond the Cluttered Slide, and I'll be linking to that in the show notes at teaching in higher ed.com slash 153. And Brandy, what do you have to recommend for us today?
1: Well, that sounds awesome, Bonnie. Uh, my recommendation is for people who still like a traditional notebook, but who want their notes to be on their computer as well. And it's called The Everlast Notebook by Rocketbook. And right now it's on a Kickstarter in Indiegogo campaign. And I'm patiently waiting for mine in the mail. Um, what you can do is you take notes with a pilot pen. And the notebook itself is made out of a polyester Um, component, and it just feels like paper. And so you write on it, but the notebook can be wiped clean with just water and or a damp cloth. And then once you're done taking your notes on your page, what you can do is there are little symbols at the bottom of your note page, and you mark off which symbol your notes pertain to. So for example, I could have a note uh, symbol pertaining to my yoga practice, or I could have a symbol associated with my accounting, my intro accounting course. And I would mark off which notes those pertain to. I take a picture with my phone and it automatically uploads my notes to the cloud. So my Google Drive and to my associated folder. So my yoga notes would go to my yoga folder. My intro accounting notes would go to my intro accounting folder within the cloud system. So you can take your notes from the pen and paper to digital right away and then wipe your notebook clean and use it again.
0: This looks amazing.
1: <laughs> I know. I, I want 10, but you're only supposed to get one because it lasts forever. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, that's the goal. I see. <laughs>
1: that's the goal. You only need one notebook. So your your office is not jam-packed with notebooks. You just need one.
0: I'm seeing some of the services here because I'm, of course, you know, I had to go on the website and start checking this out dropbox google drive evernote email box slack what did i miss yeah, yeah I, mean,
1: I think there's eight different cloud based services that it works to and you just within the app you code which symbol goes to which which cloud based service and which folder within that cloud based service so it's pretty amazing
0: and you, do you know yet when yours gets here or is it one of those things where you have to wait until it gets funded I think or it's, something
1: I think it's supposed to get here in, mine's supposed to arrive in June. It is funded. It's They've raised so much money for this thing. People are just going crazy over it. So it will be funded, but I'm just patiently waiting for mine to arrive.
0: Oh, I see. I just now clicked on it in Indiegogo, and I'm like, how do I get mine? Oh, probably I should finish <laughs> the podcast recording before I go order, order right mine. now. <laughs> it says right here, $34.00. That's uh USD and plus shipping and then Yeah, and then one rack rocket book Everlast. Yeah. Notebook plus one Frixion pen by Pilot. Ooh, this sounds so good. I'm getting distracted. i got to focus on closing (laughs) our episode.
1: I was just amazed as well when I saw it.
0: (laughs) Well, Brandy, it has been so fun talking to you. I knew it would be a great conversation ever since watching your first video. And I'm just so excited for you and just the passion that you have for teaching and how you give back to your students, but also give back to people like me who are also your students in a different kind of way. So thank you so much for your generosity and sharing with us today.
1: Thanks, Bonnie. And thanks so much for having me and for hosting this podcast, which inspires a whole community of teachers.
0: Thank you so much to Brandy for joining me on today's episode and to all of you for listening. I am so excited about going to check out the Everlast Notebook. That's pretty much going to be the rest of my day based on how excited I am about it. So Dave, get ready for some credit card charges to come through. Maybe I'll get one for you too for your birthday. surprise. Anyway. Hopefully it would come by your birthday. Probably I shouldn't do this brainstorming out loud and I should get on with the closing. (laughs) If you have yet to subscribe to the weekly email, you can get all the links to PowToon, to VideoScribe, to Brandy's YouTube channel coming right into your inbox and you don't have to remember to go to the show notes to get it. You can subscribe at teachinginhighered.com slash subscribe. And when you do that, you'll receive a free ebook. And that ebook is a guide that has 19 tools that help you use technology in your teaching and also in your personal productivity. Hope you'll check that out at teachinginhighered.com slash subscribe. And if you would like to comment on today's episode, you can do that at teachinginhighered.com slash 153. Thank you as always for listening and I'll see you next time.